Welcome to another episode of your friendly neighborhood film cast. I am your host, Jack, and with me is special guest, Jams. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I am so happy to have you here, especially since you are the mastermind behind the movie Discord group that I talk so much about on this podcast. It's nice to have the person here. (laughs) That's delightful to hear that you enjoy that so much that you talk about it elsewhere. I do. I learn a lot about movies through there and in return spread the good word about movies to other people. So it's just kind of a chain reaction. Wonderful. It's nice that something that I started for during quarantine uh, about a year ago, we're still doing today and probably will keep doing for a while. Yeah, I am really happy that we've kept it going for so long and that we will continue to keep it going. It's all good. And the film we are discussing today is The Great Gatsby, the 2013 adaptation directed by Baz Luhrmann and described by Google as Midwest native Nick Carraway arrives in 1922 New York in search of the American dream. Nick, a would-be writer, moves in next door to millionaire Jay Gatsby and across the bay from his cousin Daisy and her philandering husband Tom. Thus, Nick becomes drawn into the captivating world of the wealthy and, as he bears witness to their illusions and deceits, pens a tale of impossible love, dreams, and tragedy. It's a lovely synopsis. It is. I really like that one. So, Jams, what is your background with The Great Gatsby? Well, my, my sister, Melissa, introduced me to the podcast. Or to the, sorry, to the, to the movie. She introduces me to a lot of other podcasts, though. <laughs> Friend of the pod. Yeah. Friend of me. Sister of me. Mm-hmm. She, I had no plans to watch this movie when it came out. Uh, I was in college at the time, but she played the soundtrack for me when we were driving somewhere, and it changed my mind because it is just an absolute banger of a soundtrack. I think I ended up going, seeing it in theaters, buying it, and like getting the digital copy and just rewatching it a lot of times, just at work and at home, uh, wherever I could. Uh, It was definitely a big part of my life initially. I think I would still call it a favorite. Maybe not my top favorites, but it is a favorite. Nice. Yeah, I was a fan of Baz Luhrmann prior to hearing that he was going to be making this movie. And it was right around the time that I was in high school reading Mm. it for English class that I found out he was going to be making an adaptation of it. So it was really exciting to have this book that I enjoyed and this oh. director that I enjoyed coming together at last. It was very promising. And um, I did like the book when I read it. But I will say that initially, like, I had to read it twice. The first time I didn't know if I liked it. And it sat with me for a while. And then I reread it. And I'm like, okay, I get what this is doing. <laughs> I really like it a lot. And it, yeah, it's one of those stories that has meant a lot to me for different reasons through different aspects of my life which we can kind of go into that later but uh like I definitely Mm. felt more of a relation to Gatsby and found him kind of um idealistic which perhaps maybe that is not a good thing and I have learned from my errors as a youth and uh now I I can relate more to Nick definitely (laughs) yeah that's that's a good way of looking at it. It's definitely Nick and Gatsby out of all these characters are the purest 
So I would like to think that I identify with them the most. <laughs> yeah. But I could yeah. see that. You live long enough to see yourself become Gatsby or you live long enough to see yourself become Nick. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and in terms of the movie itself, I really enjoyed it. I didn't get around to seeing it in theaters, even though I really wanted to, but I did mm -hmm. watch it pretty much as soon as it was released on DVD and bought the DVD and I've constantly revisited it and rewatched it throughout the years and like you I am a huge <laughs> fan of the soundtrack the soundtrack really makes the whole experience for yeah. me as well but yeah that's that's my background what are your overall thoughts on the movie itself in a spoiler free context uh let's see it's it's interesting to have spoilers for uh and like a book by F Scott Fitzgerald which came out like what like 60 years ago uh -huh. like like a while ago. It's like almost 100 years, if not 100 years, because it just entered the public domain oh, as of 2021. Yeah. That's interesting that a book about the Roaring Twenties is now free in a new Roaring Twenty. Yes. I've seen memes about people hoping that they'll do a Muppets version of The Great Gatsby now that it's in the public domain. Oh, my God. Who would be... Would Fozzie be Gatsby? Hmm... I could almost see Fozzie being a Nick. So Fozzie's Nick is Kermit Gatsby? Hmm, maybe. We'll have to think about this. <laughs> and how does Sam the Eagle play into this? <laughs> Ooh, -hoo. Sam the Eagle might be Meyer Wolfsheim. Ooh, yeah, probably. Man, the more you, the more we talk about this, the more I was like, I don't know if I could watch that, but now I actually do want to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> That'd be fun. Uh, oh, yeah. Overall thoughts. Again, like something I really like. This was this came out like when I was in college, when I was still like figuring myself out and stuff. So mm -hmm. watching this movie and like appreciating this period piece. And I couldn't tell if I like it as a period piece more because of uh, Baz Luhrmann or because of uh, F. Scott. But overall, it definitely allured me to the 20s and to this romanticized, sexy era of new york that I, that i wanted to be a part of but just like that with all the colors of the movie like the cinematography the imagery and like the music just all tied it together that just kind of sealed the deal as soon as i watched it yeah i would completely agree with you i think that this had such an impressive production design overall and i think that mm -hmm. it really does it does romanticize the 1920s and it kind of shows you how people could be drawn into that lifestyle. It might be a bit too much for people, but it, it works for me. Like I know that yeah. some people thought this adaptation was a bit over the top or it focused more on the romanticized aspects. But I'm like, have you watched the whole movie? Have you seen <laughs> the whole thing? There, There is a turn that happens in the movie and, and we'll talk about that. When we're talking spoiler fall. Yeah. It's definitely, it's a long movie. <laughs> it's much longer than I remembered it. And I guess yeah. it was a long book too. Interesting enough, it is actually kind of a shorter book. It's more on the thin side. I don't know exactly what the page length is, but pretty much the adaptation is the entire is book. It? I don't think they left out much, if anything. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a little bit where Nick summarized, and then we hung out some more, and now we're doing this, where probably in the book you actually probably followed it. There was almost an effect of 
because I don't think I really in- enjoyed the book as much in high school. Yeah. It. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to read so many different books and in like English class. It was probably one that I liked the most out of all the ones I was forced to read. But going back and watching the movie made me ironically romanticize the reading of the book that I will probably never read again. <laughs> I am totally on the same page with you. Like, I'm glad that we're having this discussion. I feel the same way. I I didn't dislike it at any point when I was reading it, but I think that the only reason I have held on to my copy of The Great Gatsby for all these years is because of my love for the movie, which makes me think that I like the book yeah. more than I probably did. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say too that we watched a couple of older adaptations in English class when reading this book, Mm -hmm. and none of them clicked for me as much as this one did. I remember the 1970s adaptation with Robert Redford. Everyone's just really sweaty. That's all I remember. (laughs) (laughs) The lights were very hot back then. (laughs) Yeah, they went for a very authentic portrayal of nobody having air conditioning and just everyone's drenched with sweat. But yeah, I... I think that this one works better, and uh, it has really impressive performances, too. This is the first time that I saw people like Joel Edgerton and Elizabeth Debicki, which they've both become better known. Yeah, much bigger names nowadays. Yeah, and of course, Leo's always great, Carrie Mulligan's always great, Tobey Maguire's Tobey Maguire. Whether you love him or hate (laughs) him, he's, he's him. I love him personally, but yeah. Yeah. There's something about, so Nick Carraway probably could have been portrayed by a lot of different actors telling a lot of different performances of Nick Carraway, but I'm glad mm-hmm. they picked Tobey Maguire. I don't think he's the best, but I'm the happiest to see him. I am too, and especially knowing that him and Leonardo DiCaprio have been such close friends since they were kids or teenagers i think that that chemistry really works on screen i didn't know that that definitely i could definitely see that coming through now because they they did they had great chemistry it's just about gatsby trying to be friends with nick carraway at at first so i see that coming through now also like leonardo dicaprio's gatsby probably no better casting honestly for sure He's so good. Yeah. He's golden. He's a golden boy. (laughs) He is golden. He's not just a good Gatsby. He's a great Gatsby. (laughs) He's a great Gatsby. (laughs) Well, with that, would you like to get into spoiler-filled thoughts? Sure. The thing I was talking about where uh, the mood changes, from the second in the movie that you hear Lana Del Del Rey's Mm -hmm. young and beautiful, it becomes... That's like right around the time where he reunites with Daisy, where Gatsby reunites with Daisy. And from then on, you hear Young and Beautiful again and again mm-hmm. throughout the movie as it becomes more and more about just Gatsby and Daisy and less about the roaring 20s and, and the the crazy parties and all that. And it becomes more and more about the entanglement of their lives. Yeah. And something that I've noticed is a recurring theme in Baz Luhrmann's films, and I think this one is no different, is that... The pacing is usually very quick and frenetic and chaotic in the Mm. first act or so. And when the two romantic leads meet and fall in love is when the movie slows down as if time itself is slowing down. And I think Mm. this one kind of falls into that as well. And the tone definitely changes too. Yeah, Like you were saying, and 
it uh, becomes more serious with time. And I think the huge turning point for the movie becoming serious for me, not just the tone changing a little bit, but when it's like capital S serious, is that big dramatic tense scene that they have in the hotel room where it's revealed that Tom knows that something's going on with Gatsby and Daisy and there's like that huge blowout argument. That's definitely, I think, from that point on, there's no levity for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's from that point on, it kind of enters the end game because Mm -hmm. at that point, like, you know, everyone's emotions are now in a fixed position and they're not going to change their minds for the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's kind of like they're uh, subject to whatever fate has in store for them Mm -hmm. as the eyes of T.J. Eckelberg watch over, which I love (laughs) that imagery so much. I'm glad that they included that in the movie. There's so many... Yeah, like I definitely, there's so many references and like lines and dialogue and stuff from this movie that stay with me since, Mm -hmm. probably since watching this movie, probably not since reading the book, but from the movie. But yeah, like there's something nice about when you're referencing something in conversation and it's from a book and not from a movie where it's like, ooh, this is is Mm -hmm. a classy reference, like referencing T.J. Yeah, I'm constantly reminded and like in the back of my head thinking of... Uh, when Tom, Tom, Nick, <laughs> when Nick is, is at the, uh, when, what's his name? Mr. Car- Mr. Uh, da- Daisy's husband. I can't remember his name. Tom Buchanan? Yeah, it is Tom. Tom. Oh, that, okay. That's there. You got it. <laughs> when Tom takes Nick, like, let's go to club. Actually, hold that thought. Let's jump this train. I have a lot of sins I got to show you. And while they're at that apartment and like having like a raucous, sexy party, uh, Tom is like sitting at the window and looking out over New York with like the man playing a trumpet on a fire escape and looking down and saying, look at this man on the street. He's looking Mm -hmm. up and I am also him. I am within and without. I think about all think about that all the time. Yeah, I do, too. That line really stuck with me, too. And I think that Mm -hmm. I feel more so that way about this movie as I get older because you are entranced by how luxurious and beautiful and exciting all of this extreme wealth is but at the same time you're repelled by it and disgusted by it and yeah exactly yeah I I totally get that I quoted that quote in another episode that I recorded for something completely different because it just applies to a lot of stuff (laughs) one quote that has really stuck with me in the past year or so. And listeners can uh, decide what I'm talking about. But something that Tom (laughs) says towards... No, not Tom. Wow, here I go. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I messed you up. Something that Nick says towards the end of the movie, when he's referring to Tom and Daisy saying that they were careless people, they smashed up things and creatures, and then retreated back into their money or their vast carelessness or whatever it was that kept them together and let other people clean up the mess they had made. Yeah. little political commentary out there for all of you, but uh, it seems quite (laughs) resonant right now where there's just a lot of carelessness and messes that have to be cleaned up by people that didn't make them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of bad decisions in this movie. Yeah, and they all come crashing down within the last 30 minutes or so. Yeah. 
Like I like what you were talking about, like seeing yourself as Gatsby initially. I can totally mm-hmm. see that. Like I was a lot younger when I watched this movie for the first time. And I think I, I would agree that I was like, I, I want to be like Gatsby. I want to throw these these raucous, sexy parties. Uh-huh. But as time goes on, like you see at the end of the movie where he just becomes entirely entirely and blindly focused on uh, Daisy, who he hasn't seen for five years, mm-hmm. and is like, well, we were supposed to be together then because I believed we were supposed to be together. And we're now we're supposed to be together, and there's no way you can change my mind about that. And he just becomes more and more, not like deranged, but like more and more like crazily focused on this, that he loses sight of everything else. And like you, like watching that, watching yeah. this, rewatching this for the podcast, I was like, I don't know how I could imagine myself as Gatsby. I'm much more, I think now a learned person, and I'm now like Nick, where I'm like watching all this happen like why are they doing this like they know this must end badly i don't understand why they're making these decisions oh yeah same here uh, when i see gatsby now i see how desperate he is and obsessive and uh unfortunately i've had those traits in the past but uh certainly yeah. was at one point someone who wanted to repeat the past and you know, was kind of stuck in sure. like a bad, repetitive cycle. And now I'm, Yeah, I wouldn't say that maybe it's better to be Nick because he's very existential, but uh, that's where I'm at, so. <laughs> he starts and he starts the movie like, here I am in a crazy hospital and in a sanitarium. Mm-hmm. Being around all these toxic people made me crazy. So yeah, maybe don't be Nick. You can be Toby Maguire, but don't be Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I did write down the phrase old sport is said 55 times in this movie. (laughs) Did you count it? No, I did look that up because I was curious. (laughs) It is, you know, like you said, like it's one of those things that's, or like I said, it was one of those things that's nice to reference. Something about this movie, Mm -hmm. the vocabulary just kind of gets absorbed into you. Like while I was taking notes, like not only do I agree that old sport is so easy to say nowadays... Uh, just because from like watching this movie, but like while I was taking notes, I was also like, I'm writing this. I'm not like just taking notes. I'm like adding some like flourish and like, uh, like writers panache mm-hmm. to my notes. Cause I, th- I think I, I wrote down, uh, everyone in this era used to write so tiny and print so large, uh, a lot of lessons here about the blind dangers of romanticizing the past. Like a lot of like fancier notes than I normally would take because it's, I like the narration that Nick puts into this, like making this a lot more grand and and, uh, and unique than a typical movie would have with normal narration. Yeah, I do too. Like at the end of the day, it's not even that complex of a story. No, it's not. But yeah, it's just told in such a grand way that you just can't help but feel like it's this epic tale. Yeah, there there were a lot of moments in this movie where I'm like, is this a, a, a Baz Luhrmann trait? Because I've only ever seen, I think the only other movie I've seen is Romeo and Juliet. We watched that earlier on the Discord. We did. I think that's the only other Baz Luhrmann I've watched aside from this movie. Yeah. I've seen Romeo and Juliet, Moulin Rouge, The Great Gatsby. I have seen a little bit of his TV show on Netflix, The Get Down. Oh, that's him? Oh, yeah, I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen any of that, but yeah. 
I heard it was very good. It is fun. But yeah. There was a lot of cinematography in this, specifically like the introduction of Jan- of Gatsby, because his name is, is mentioned before we see him. We see him like 20 minutes, 30 minutes into the movie in a grand, like Nick shows up at the party, like being the only one who was actually invited to this huge banger and he can't get a hold of Gatsby. Is no one here knows Gatsby. I'm never going to meet Gatsby, even though he invited me. And then he's chatting to someone like, oh yeah, I've, I heard he was second cousin to the Kaiser and sec- third cousin to the Kaiser, second cousin to the devil. And Gatsby's like, reveals himself like, oh, sorry, I haven't been a very good host. And at that point, he turns around with, with a drink in hand and fireworks go off behind him and time slows and he grins. And it's just like a perfect moment that is one of a kind. Like, I don't think you could execute that as well in any other movie. I agree. And that shot has stuck around quite a bit. I still see memes to this day with that exact shot yeah. of Leo <laughs> holding up the glass as the fireworks are going off behind yeah. him. It's a good moment. I I do enjoy the friendship between Nick and Gatsby, which kind of going off yeah. of what we were saying earlier, how I think that has to do with the chemistry between the actors playing them. But even though Gatsby's intentions are a bit questionable because at the end of the day, he was trying to just get access to Daisy. I do think that he did actually care about Nick and he did value yeah. their friendship and it it really means a lot to me that Nick has that last little moment yeah. with Gatsby where he says they're a rotten bunch you're worth the whole damn crowd or whatever it is that he says that's really sweet yeah and he's like I'm so glad that I said that to him yeah 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 they are the most adorable people in this movie i i really like how Gatsby is just trying and like upon like not even upon meeting him upon realizing that he's in the world that he's right next door to him that he can be like i'm going to reunite with my lost love through this man but i need him to know how good of a person i am first and he's such a bad liar like he tells he tells nick on like on Uh the ride to lunch like i was a war hero here are my medals here's a picture of me so you know i'm not lying and he intentionally has his business partner like praise him while he steps away for a phone call and like while he's like saying i'm about to go make that call he's such a bad liar and nick absolutely is seeing straight through him but but does what he asks anyway because he's like what's you know what's the worst he can do like reunite with my cousin like even if she's already married he i can tell he's a good guy and this is he's going to do it anyway so yeah Mm -hmm. from that moment on it's nice to see their friendship kind of grow as he becomes more of like a confidant between like him and Daisy's relationship. Yeah, it it's a very sweet component of the movie. Mm-hmm. There's something about this movie watching it during these times where we can't where we can't see people as often as we would like. I'm pretty jealous of this movie. Just I I want to be <laughs> at those raucous parties. Like, I even got jealous of, like, the after party where Nick went to the party for the first time and he was, you know, met Gatsby and then he just hung out at the house mm-hmm. after the party ended. I'm jealous of that moment, too. Like, I want to be... <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I want to be around people. And I couldn't tell if that was 
just jealousy for seeing people or jealousy of the times of of being able to go to these these amazing spurts of wealth happening and being like spent right away in the 20s yeah and you do have to think about too like the context of the time in which this takes place it was just after a pandemic as well oh was it really yeah the spanish flu of 1918 1919 the roaring 20s followed that so Maybe we have times like that ahead of us. I would certainly (laughs) hope so, but I definitely understand feeling that way, even though I would... Yeah, God, I wish. (laughs) I know. Like, I've considered myself to be more of an introvert, and I think as I've gotten older, I've become more so that way. But after Mm -hmm. this, I'm just like, I'm ready to do whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) honestly, yeah. Like, I'm ready to be dumb again and, like, go, you know, go to parties I wasn't invited to and stuff like that and just go interact with the world the way they do in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Seize the day. Yeah, there are no... The only fly on the wall in this movie is Nick, and he still, you know, dips his toes in from time to time. Yeah, he definitely does. I guess... The T.J. Eckelberg billboard could also be a fly on the wall. <laughs> I suppose it's it's supposed to be the eyes of God, and I do like that metaphor. Mm-hmm. But we have, you know, it would be nice if someone somewhere bought a billboard and made it the T.J. Eckelberg billboard with like the the you know glasses fixed on the billboard and everything. I wish I wish I had money to do that. <laughs> I wish I had stocks to yeah. buy and spend on a big Gary Gatsby billboard. I do too. I think that was a real missed marketing opportunity when this movie was coming out that they didn't do that. Oh, yeah. That would have been great. No one would get it, but it would have been great. <laughs> yeah. For the few people like us that would have gotten it, it would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Overall, a very good movie telling a very endearing and dangerous story of uh interpersonal relationships and taking things too seriously and and all that romanticizing the past in a period piece yeah and i will say that i think this movie does a good job of balancing that tonal shift to the point where even when the movie ends on a more serious note you're not bummed out yeah i noticed that like it has a sad ending which you don't see as much in movies i don't think like sometimes in like horror movies you're like oh no one made it out in the monster one uh but it's not an entirely sad ending whereas this is like well (laughs) gatsby gatsby (laughs) dies uh for a crime he didn't do nick goes crazy (laughs) but writes a book Uh, yeah and like the people that caused it to get away scot-free it's just it's like a weird cautionary tale yeah, a weird cautionary tale that really makes you think if you want to think about it, but uh, doesn't haunt you mm-hmm. at the end of the day, which I think is good. It, it's yeah. palatable. <laughs> it's something that I, I never mind rewatching because it's not like, oh man, I'm going to have to watch this scene again or something like that. Yeah. With the conclusion of our discussion on The Great Gatsby... I must ask you, have you watched any good movies or TV shows lately? We're recording this in April, 
And there's a lot of new stuff coming out right now. Yeah. And right now, I think the thing that has my attention the most is the uh, Amazon Prime TV show Incredible, adapted off of the Robert Kirkman comic book of the same name. Is it Invincible? Sorry, Invincible. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I'm like, I've been watching a show. Are we watching the same show or a different show? Okay, good. Sorry. Yeah, Invincible. Or Tom. Or Nick. No, Invincible. <laughs> yeah, it is. Invincible is is a finished story by Robert Kirkman about a kid who gets superpowers because his dad has superpowers. And that's like the bare minimum synopsis because it just kind of takes off from there in a way that most superhero slash coming of age stories don't usually. Robert Kirkman, of course, very well known for Walking Dead, and you can see more of his writing chops coming through in this. But yeah, it is one of the best comic adaptations I've seen this year. That would make sense. I've been really impressed by this show so far, and I love how subversive it is and unpredictable. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I I figured the source material had to be pretty damn good if the show is that good. Yeah, it's pretty close. Like, honestly, very one-to-one. The cast they were able to get for the show is incredible. Yeah. It's, the, it's one of those things where it's like you heard about this, this show getting made like 10 years ago. And they're like, oh, this dream cast looks great. And they still use that cast. They didn't have to do any kind of recasting. So it's wow. all the perfect people for the for the job. Like Stephen Young, I, I can never remember his name on the spot that plays his dad. J.K. Um, Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Yes. J.T. Eckelberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, J.K. Simmons is amazing. So many great actors lending their voice to this this animated project. That's just. I really hope that after the season is done, this first season that it has earned enough money to keep going because it's been so amazing so far. I really hope so, too. It's definitely been a bright spot in the past month, even if the show isn't always bright. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've really been enjoying that. The only new stuff that I've watched lately, another Amazon Prime TV show that was recently released, it's called Them. Them. Which... I could have sworn was some kind of secret project that Jordan Peele was working on <laughs> related to us, but turns out he has no involvement in this series. It just thematically, stylistically looks very similar to something he would make mm. and uh, even has the same actress who played the oldest daughter in us playing the oldest daughter in this show. Oh, but, that's uh, fun. Yeah, it's... Very good. I will say that I was accidentally spoiled for something that happens mid-season, and it was a lot to stomach to the point where I don't know if I will continue watching or be quick to watch more of it, but very impressive so far. So uh, if you want to check it out, it's very good, just uh, a lot to handle. (laughs) (laughs) Probably a lot like uh, us was. Yeah. Yeah. I'll look at it. At this time, do you have anything you would like to plug, Jams? <laughs> I do. If you would like to hear a podcast about me and my sister talking about the cartoons from long ago that you feel like only you remember, then I would recommend our podcast, Saturday Morning Obscurities, 
you can find us on Twitter at SaturdayMOPod. Uh, we're up to uh, over a dozen episodes so far. We've been doing it for almost six months, and I'm very delighted with it, and I, I am excited for pe- for uh, more people to listen to it. So if you would like to listen to it, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, it's a fun podcast. I've been enjoying listening to episodes of it, and I did a guest spot on the Oogie Loves episode. <laughs> yeah, go listen to that one. Yeah, another 2013 film that we've talked about together. <laughs> I, I gotta say, in 2013, Oogie is far, far below The Great Gatsby on my favorite list. For sure. If you'd like to find me on Twitter, though, I am at Jams Wilk. All right. If you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, we're your FN Filmcast. And the email that you can contact us through is friendlyneighborhoodfilmcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.